Welcome to the 73rd episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I'm Chris Blessing, and I am joined for the last time this season by my co-host, Brent Hershey. Uh, this is the last show he's booked on. I have a guest for next week's show, which is my last uh, uh, show of the year. Um, so, like, there's still more to come, but this is the last thing that we're going to be doing with Brent this year, which kind of feels a little weird. Uh, today, we're covering several quickly moving prospects throughout the minor leagues and even into the major leagues. Uh, but first, uh, Brent, it's been a while because uh, we recorded our previous episode like three Wednesdays ago. Um, and here we are on a Wednesday evening recording another episode. How are you? Oh, it's the new normal, right? Yeah, um, I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, good to be with you here on the uh, for the last time anyway this year and um, excited. I think it's a good topic uh, we have put together uh, that will cover both the, you know, some prospects we've seen that kind of fit this and then some discussion around uh, around kind of this trend. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I am doing well. Uh, how are you doing after uh, tripping a little bit, I think, or taking a trip that is uh, over the past week or so? I am well. I've, uh, uh, I've reacclimated myself back in life here in Georgia. I didn't go to any baseball games last week. And uh, because of that, um, we're, we're going to be covering some guys that I would have seen last week had I gotten to the ballpark. Uh, I actually watched their video starts. Uh, that's the great thing about today. Uh, you can you can actually watch their video starts and then beg a contact for information like MPH, miles per hour, and all that good yeah. stuff. Uh, so I was able to do that. Uh, but I was able to clear my mind and looking forward to this episode and also – Getting back out to the ballpark, uh, I'll, I'll be there for potentially the last time this week. I, I'm hoping to get there next week as well. Uh, but it's double A coverage because um, they're, they're the only game in town right now because no one else made the playoffs. Um, yeah. So this week the double A season ends, and then in a good, I think a week or two, triple A season ends, and then it's it's all done for us until the Arizona Fall League. Um, this week's episode is going to be uh, our live looks, and this is like video looks. Uh, sorry about that, but uh, that's just how life goes sometimes. Uh, but we're going to kind of look at a greater subject at the same time, and that is the rapid ascension of prospects up the chain. Like, we've never seen this before, right, Brent? Like, this much movement. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it, been, it's been crazy, yeah. It is absolutely crazy. And uh, he and I, at the end of this episode, we're going to discuss uh, what we think is causing this. And um, we haven't discussed that at all. I have no idea what Brent has up his <laughs> sleeve. He has no idea what I have up my sleeve. Uh, but for the most part, I think we'll probably end up agreeing on a lot of this. But this is definitely going to be a conversation that we're going to have during the offseason in the minor league baseball analyst. Uh, you'll probably even see a little bit about it in the forecaster. Um, that's how that's how uh, important, how 
game-changing this rapid ascension up to the major leagues has been uh, for us in the business. Uh, I mean, I was shocked that Jordan Walker moved as quick as he did from 2020 being drafted to 2023 debuting earlier in the year. Now we've got guys that are being drafted in July and are in the major leagues by August, uh, which is crazy. And that's a great segue. Uh, I asked Brent uh, when we were discussing this the other evening to scout a guy that I really have not done any work on. I was supposed to see him at Rocket City, and then he got called up to the major leagues, and that is... Uh, 2023 Angels first round pick, Nolan Shanul, uh, who's a first baseman. Uh, what can you tell us about Nolan? Yeah, uh, I was interested to certainly interested, surprised when uh, the Angels called him up um, uh, there in, in late August, as, as a lot of folks were, um, just because we don't see that much. Of, of that, um, you know, you hear instances of whatever back in the day, Pete Cabilia or, or I don't know, I forget others, Dave Winfield, maybe, or, but you, just, um, you know, guys that kind of had a big impact like that, that, that never went to the minors. Of course, Shanuel was there for a bit, but still, um, it's been, it's been a while or uh, you know, maybe the first time that, that it's been this early, uh, of a call up, uh, for someone from, uh, the draft that just happened in July. I mean, we all know that the draft was very deep in July. I mean, we talked about that at that time um, with crews and schemes and, and all that. Um, but here it wasn't even uh, one of those top, top, top uh, guys that got the call um, within a month or so. Uh, it was, uh, it was the angels and Shawnewell. So I was, I, you know, um, I hadn't, I wasn't super familiar with him and knew that he had a uh, college background um, there. So, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like a uh, 18 year old prep guy or anything uh, uh, making that, making that uh, switch. Um, And, you know, I, I I, uh, took a look at at some of his at bats so far. um, And it's really, it's quite interesting um, to me from a, from a, scouting perspective um and we can talk about the team context later uh a little bit um but just you know just to mention it i guess just to mention it briefly here uh i think it's in this case specifically it's kind of the angels kind of just you know part of they're just going for it kind of thing uh kind of grasping at straws to get whoever uh in there before uh before otani uh takes off uh to another to another spot um, but Shanuel's a, you know, a big, a big first baseman, six four, two twenty. Uh, you know, you look at his build and you see, um, you know, you just see a, a big power hitting first baseman, um, slugging type, uh, big left-handed, uh, bat when you see him there kind of in, in the box. Um, but watching his at bats, and I know this was, this was some of the discussion, um, too around draft time. Uh, he's not a big, uh, a big power guy, uh, at this point, uh, in his career. Um, he's basically, I mean, so far anyway, he's been an on-base machine. Um, gotten, gotten a lot of hits, but, uh, just today, 
Uh, we're recording this Wednesday. Uh, he got on. He got on base again uh, this after, in this afternoon's game. That's uh, the, for the twentieth time in a row. You know, from uh, in his first twenty games, uh, he's been on base and you know has a OBP over four hundred. Um, and he does show. He does show to have a, a really good eye at the plate. He's patient there. Uh, takes walks, um, but uh, you know has an interesting interesting hit tool though. Also. Yeah. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if you haven't seen him, he, you know, holds the bat super high, a high setup. Um, I know a lot of folks, uh, have questions about that, um, connected to the power. Like, uh, will, will he be able to get the bat into the zone in time? Um, and, uh, when you watch some of the, some of the hits that he's gotten, um, it's, uh, it's quite an amazing <laughs> it's quite an amazing sight. Um, his his exit velocities, and when you see him at the plate, it's it really looks more like a singles hitter, um, which is just so odd for uh, such a huge guy. Uh, you know, I did notice he is right up on the plate, like uh, just just uh, close to the as close to the plate almost as he can get. Um, and you know, being six four, two twenty has you know has his broad shouldered kind of long levers um but yet still somehow uh he in many at bats just seems like off balance um and kind of uh kind of swiping at the ball and he'll you know obviously has a real good hand eye and bat control because he'll he'll uh be off balance and kind of bloop these pitches um the other way it's interesting if you look at uh, you know, like even now, obviously really small sample, but like his spray charts, I mean, he, he's gone the other way a lot. Um, but not with power again. Uh, he has one, uh, one extra base hit so far, um, in these, in these 20 games. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's just an, it's just an odd sight. Uh, I, I'm really going to be curious to see whether, um, the Angels, do anything to adjust, you know, his setup and swing at all. Um, in some of the games I've seen, you know, he's, he's been late and like missed on kind of middle, middle, uh, low nineties fastballs, things you think that he would, uh, hit hard. Um, you know, he's swung a miss. It's kind of some down and in pitches that others lefties, you know, are in their nitro zone and crush. And a lot of times again, um, he's, He's just off balance. Has a uh, before he has a two strike sort of has a big leg kick uh, that um, seems to be his timing mechanism, but it doesn't really it doesn't seem to be doing a great deal of 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 work there. And then he goes no stride kind of with with two strikes, and uh, and again I think that just kind of further kind of depletes the the power potential there. Um, and you look at the, you know, you look at the data and, you know, he's had 61 uh, batted ball events. This is up before uh, through Tuesday. Um, and he's had one barrel so far. Um, <laughs> it, his, his max EV is 101.2. And, uh, and his, you know, his average exit velocity is 85. Uh, and his hard hit rate is 26%. Now about 36%, you know, is, is league average there. And, you know, hitting everything into the ground, uh, 55% ground ball rate. 
I, one other thing that's really interesting to me, and again, this is uh, you know really small sample, but he um, chases his chase rate is really good. Uh, you know, he only chases uh, 22% um, stuff out of the zone. MLB averages around 29, but the chase contact rate for him is 75%. Um, yes. So when he's chasing, he's making contact. Uh, and it's like dribbling somewhere, basically. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the MLB average for chase contact is 58%. And he's, he's getting to 75% of these balls. And again, you know, it's just, uh, it's just fascinating to watch. I think it's going to be, you know, really interesting to see, to see what changes, the, if any, they're able to make or, or Shanuel is able to make. Um, because this is a, yeah, this is like a, Punch and Judy sort of singles hitter at this point, um, and you just look and you see, you know, a wide, like I said, a wide-shouldered kind of strong-looking guy, and it's just uh, it's really curious why he doesn't hit the ball uh, harder than he does. It really is like it is it is it defies logic. Like what? Like just seeing his body type, just reading yeah. his baseball card and reading the, the back of his baseball card. There's no way that this guy's just a singles hitter. Uh, so as you were talking, I was like, you know, maybe I should go back and look at some of his college tape. And uh, a lot of his college tape, uh, like, I don't know if this is just a survival mechanism that we're seeing. Like, yeah. he realizes he's overmatched. And instead of, like, he's that heady that he understands, hey, I need hmm. to be this type of hitter. I've never seen pitching like this before in my life. And I'm right. going to at yeah. least have a high average and get on base a lot. Uh, which, I mean, he's gotten on base. Like, this year, he he got on base at a 62% clip in yeah. uh, in college. Like, we're, we're talking about a guy that uh, 51% in the minor leagues. Uh, right now, we're at uh, just below 42%. In the major yeah. leagues, like this is a guy that does just gets on base. Uh, it gets on base a lot. Like even his struggle season in uh, the Cape Cod League, he still had a three forty two on base percentage. Uh, hmm. But mm -hmm. there was some question marks. These these question marks that you're you're talking about were the same question marks people had about him when he was in the um, Cape Cod League. Uh, so his yeah. wood bat su success. Uh, at, at a high level wasn't necessarily great. And granted, he, you know, it, it sometimes happens that you might have a bad uh, summer after a really good uh, spring. Right. But watching him, watching watching his home runs uh, during these clips, seeing, seeing who he's hit home runs off of even college, like, uh, you know, he... What didn't look like he was cheating, hit a 95 mile per hour fastball out uh, in one game. Uh, let me see if I can find out who the pitcher was. Uh, against the University of Florida, uh, Tejada uh, hit a 95 mile per hour fastball. Granted, it was probably a weeknight game, so uh, you know, not one of the one of the top guys. Uh, oh, I just found out that the bullpen in Florida is named the Darren O'Day um, bullpen. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but you learn stuff while you're watching uh, watching That's, these clips yes. of uh, Nolan uh, hitting, actually driving the ball. So I wonder yeah. if he is doing this as a mechanism 
um, to, yeah. I mean, that's, to that's fair. But but you have a great point, and and other pundits have the same great point. That high bat, uh, holding his bat that high, uh, how is he going to get lift consistently? Um, uh, how is he going to, uh, without really compromising his hit tool? Like, um, man, like this is the one of the most bizarre prospects that I've come across in my time. Like, uh, it really is. You know, and, and it's not. It's not even like, oh man, like. This guy could be a batting champion and maybe slug 325. Like, that's it's crazy to even think about. But, like, uh, I mean, he he seems to understand where the holes are. He has good bat control. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what's evident. What, what do you think, Brent? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I mean, you're, I mean, that's the positive spin is yes, uh, perhaps he's feels overmatched like you said never saw pitching like this and just is uh just is doing the best he can to adjust which in which case um in which case it's a it's a positive uh you know we of course you know analytically preach on base percentage and all that kind of um stuff it's just uh it's just the eyes you know when you see <laughs> you see a first baseman uh built like that you just kind of expect uh expect something expect something different and i'm just really uh curious to see how especially when the kind of scouting reports get out and and other you know opponents are um you know have more information and kind of trying to get him out um how how they might adjust to him uh to see if uh to see if he's able to adjust back so um yeah shawnee wells just a, a really interesting interesting case i think uh certainly from a fantasy perspective uh i mean he could be he could be uh really good in an obp league depending um but uh again it's a it's a kind of if you if he continues this kind of trajectory that he's on um and he's you know ends up being the first baseman for the angels for a couple of years, uh, you know, on your fantasy wise, you kind of need to kind of, you'll need to compensate, uh, for what's normally <laughs> kind of, kind of power position. So, uh, greatly, yeah. greatly compensate. Uh, uh, I, I had him as an eight D, um, um, during my player draft bucket thing. I don't tend mm-hmm. to want to change them during the season. Uh, let's hear what would be your rating. Um, I have a new rating, by the way. Um, but let's hear yours first. Well, I think if we're if we're talking about a, um, you know, especially kind of fantasy outcomes, I, it seems more like a seven to me because I think mm-hmm. you expect first baseman to um, to give you more than that. An average first baseman, you know, giving you more power than that. Um, so I, you know, I would, I would, I would venture in kind of the seven, seven B or so range. Cause he's obviously at this point having some success at what he's doing. It's just the, uh, you know, that by the batting average and the, especially on base, uh, stuff, it's just kind of, if that's the baseline from your starting that you're starting from, um, without, a, you know, without a lot of extra projection, uh, given his age and that kind of thing, um, 
it's, it's someone I'm not super excited about. I don't think. I am gonna, uh, and and the great thing is, is I've got the Angels. So um, this is this is a sneak preview for the minor league baseball analysts and our org yeah. report coverage during the uh, off season. But uh, I think I'm gonna go with seven A. Uh, I yeah. think this guy's going to be a starting player because the uh, draft ca- uh, capital that they spent, uh, first rounder, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they wanted to push and get major league bats in that lineup, guys that would battle. Um, they've done that with Zach Neto, who was another guy mm-hmm. that rapidly uh, made to the major leagues the next season. He was the first one from the 2022 draft class that came up. Uh, so obviously they're they're looking to move these guys up there quickly to supplement a team that is lacking depth um, pretty much across the yeah. board. So, yeah. um, I I mean I, I still want to go for upside sense. in the draft, but like I guess the Angels are trying trying a new wave approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, really interesting to yeah, really interesting to see how this will play out. Um, Let's move on to uh, some guys you uh, took a look at um, kind of along this theme. And the first is a pitcher for the Braves from the 2021 draft uh, round two selection. And that is uh, Spencer Schwallenbach. Um, How does he fit into kind of this theme? And what can you tell us about uh, Spencer Schwallenbach? Well, first off, uh, he didn't start uh, the year. um, with any of the organization teams or where he did, I think he was in Augusta and then got hurt again or got a tired arm. I, I don't know what exactly happened, uh, but he was down. He was drafted with a Tommy John, uh, needy Tommy John right after being drafted. And he missed the 2021 and 2022 seasons uh, and then didn't pop up for a few weeks. I think he might've just been in development, uh, maybe in the extended spring training, uh, just wasn't ready. So, like, it was a long haul uh, for Spencer uh, Schwellenbach uh, to make his debut. And I'll be honest, this season's, I mean, he very much looked like a player that was still trying to figure things out. Uh, this was a two-way guy at the University of Nebraska. Uh, I, I really kind of considered it uh, uh, a very Braves pick uh, when it was done because I felt like, uh, the arm specifically was was close to being ready. Um, even though he was mostly a reliever at Nebraska, he showed some starting attributes and some of the things that the Braves like uh, with their prospects, uh, specifically their pitching prospects. They've got types, and they identify those types very well. And in this case, this is one of those guys. Um, so uh, the delivery, he goes out of a side windup, uh, low three-quarters release, has average extension. It's upright. He's very controlled. It's a very athletic leg lift. Uh, very athletic guy, obviously. Um, somebody who, uh, you know, was a two-way player and was. I, I mean, some te- some teams had him as a shortstop over a pitcher. Uh, I think the right move was pitcher. Um, just going back and watching some of his stuff, and this year, two four nine ERA. 0.985 whip, uh, 7.K case through nine, um, 2.2 walks to nine. Um, and this is in 65 innings pitch. So not necessarily a big strikeout guy. Uh, kind of came into his own uh, when he got to Rome, pitched three games, was was pretty solid. And those were the three games I watched. Um, so command control guy, um, no doubt. Um, uh, with a high-powered fastball, 
uh, throws 95 miles per hour uh, on average. Uh, pretty much sat for me between 93 and 96. Uh, also had uh, was up to 98 miles per hour this year, but not in the, the games that I looked at. Um, it's a flatter plane pitch, and, you know, that's that's a theme with a lot of the Braves pitchers, uh, you know, flat plane fastball, um, gyro slider. Um, those are, I mean, that's the brand right there, and, and, and that's the brand with uh, Schwellenbach. Um, uh, the crazy thing in that three-game stretch in high A, he had an 81% strike rate on the fastball. Over wow. the year, it was over 70%. So we're talking... Uh, that was like a leech, like what I saw in his, his whole high A run was elite level, uh, command, um, stuff that we don't yeah. see often. Um, right. guys swing at his pitches at a high rate. They don't make solid contact. Obviously, uh, the fastball, one of the things that did fall when he went up to high A was his, his whiff rate, uh, uh, on the season, it's around 25%. It was less than that. Um, and it gets a good bit of chases because that that uh, late giddy-up, especially from that uh, low three-quarter slot, uh, really gets on guys. Um, and mm -hmm. the, 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 the flat angle really messes with them. Like, this is a very big deception pitcher along with this command. So uh, the fastball is probably something that I would call 5.5 or 55 uh, it yeah. doesn't for me doesn't have that um, that swing and miss potential. But then you know, and everybody knows on this show, I don't like going to five point five or fifty fives. I like fives or sixes. But like I haven't seen this kind of command in a pitcher uh, in the lower minors. All but twenty three years old, coming off of uh, Tommy John. Um, but like I, I I could not sell a six to me. Like you couldn't sell a six. And I felt like five was an understatement. I am I am a hedger tonight, guys. I, I am yeah, hedging. Really? Um, uh, the 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 slider uh, was was a fifty pitch for me. Um, a very good command, sixty eight percent strike rate um, in in the game that I watched over the season. It's around that that amount as well. It's a short type um, gyro uh, spinner. Um, what you get from these pitchers. Um, it's best when it's a two planes slurvier movement in it um, um, than than just the true gyro. Um, uh, guys will swing at this pitch. Um, it, it's it's his ability to command a pitch. I think he'll. I think his uh, whiff rate's around thirty percent. I think that in the major leagues he'll probably maintain something similar to that, just based huh. on command and just. Just based on the prospect, like guys that we've seen throughout, uh, a lot of the Guardians yeah. pitchers with that slider command, and and yeah. that's something that's a little different compared to the other Braves pitchers. Uh, usually, mm -hmm. it's the action of the pitch that's really given. Given this guy, it, it's not the most impressive pitch, but it will play up because of its command. Um, yeah. Also, throws a changeup and a cutter. Uh, the changeup was. It, it lacks firmness. I, I'm not the biggest fan of a not not very firm uh, change up unless it's like an airbender. This was not an airbender. He kind of struggles with feel of it um, and tends to overthrow it. But then you also realize that he's also an athlete and athletes tend mm -hmm. to play up their change up. So, uh, you know, while, while I'm going to kill it 
friend with the 40, it's probably ends up as a 50 pitch. Um, yeah. then he also throws a cutter too. I think this is a product of that changeup not being that great. Um, man, high strike rate again. Um, uh, guys swing at it. They don't make hard contact. Um, it's a five pitch, maybe a four pitch. It, it's a very short cutter. I think I think the hitters at the upper levels, meaning the major leagues, will see it very well. I don't, I don't think yeah. it's really going to be that deceptive. So overall, yeah. like I'm not, uh, like I'm between that eight D seven B place. Um, mm-hmm. I, I and I think I lean towards the seven B with this. Um, I think this yeah. is a guy that um, you could say his fastball's a six, but like it's not going to be a swing and miss pitch. The slider's a five, but it could be a swing and miss pitch. Um, I, I it, it's seven command. This this is this is maybe the next, you know, uh, a hard throwing Kyle Hendricks. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I it will all come down to sequencing and that sort of thing uh, to really yeah. determine that. Um, but yeah, a guy that got moved a lot quicker than I thought he would get after missing two years, and and to dominate over a three start uh, period in high A, that's a that's a huge huge plus for him. Yeah, what's uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, and to, uh, certainly same thing as as you talk about. I mean, when you watch uh, low minors games like like we both have, um, the guys that can, that can command stuff like that really stand out. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as um, you know, just something you don't see as much. Um, you're more likely, I, I think. I'm I'm more likely to see a big stuff guy that can't control where it's going, and you have to, uh, you know, kind of buy into the, the guy finding some command. Where here, the other way, if the command's there already, and like the arsenal's big enough, and uh, he's in a you know an organization that has done a lot, you know, with even back-end pitchers, the Bryce Elders, the, the uh, you know, guys guys like that in the Braves org that they've kind of, you know, moved up some, uh, Schuster to, uh, to an extent, um, really good offense. I mean, it might be someone, uh, you know, some of the dynasty folks are, are kind of interested in. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, uh, really an interesting... Um, Really interesting report there on Schwalbach. I mean, do you think it's someone that, uh, given kind of what we're talking about, I mean, is it a next year MLB debut at some point, or uh, do you think they, do you think that uh, when he gets to sort of Double A, Triple A, they'll want to slow it down and kind of uh, make sure he's uh, polished, you know, more polished. It, it, it's it's the Atlanta Braves. Um, I mean, they. Uh, AJ Smith, the uh, um, Schwarber got, oh, sure. you know, yeah, right. Schwarber got um, called up from basically high A, double A, triple A, and then major leagues, uh, all within two months. It, yeah, it, the, they are going to rapidly ascend their prospects uh, to mm-hmm. the big leagues, uh, and and so like this is a guy that has a 2024 um, due date. Um, you know, I, I would even throw that on the next, the next guy that we cover. Yeah, excuse me. Which is uh, sounds like a good spot to move that way. Uh, this is you want to talk about a uh, another uh, another arm that ended up in high A, uh, but this 
was a prep pitcher from the 2022 draft, uh, and that's right-hander Owen Murphy. Um, yeah, dig into Murphy for us a little bit. Tell us what you uh, what you see there. 20th overall pick, and, and they have two really good pitchers uh, taking one-two in this draft. J.R. Ritchie, who looked like the guy that was good. Like, if he had stayed healthy this year, um, he would have probably been in double-A um, to end-the-year type deal. Uh, he seems to be the better of the two pitchers, but then he, of course, hurt his hurt his elbow. Um, uh, Murphy was drafted 20th overall, um, athletic guy out of Illinois. It it shows up in his delivery, uh, the athleticism. Um, he's had a really rough season, actually, statistically, uh, strikeouts are there, 11.3 K per nine, uh, does not walking people, but he's, he's given up big innings. Uh, this is over, um, just under 90 innings pitch, uh, 472 ERA. Um, huh. and, and also a 1.283 whip. Uh, so, uh, has been hit a bunch this year. Um, 19 years old, uh, six one one ninety with room to build, uh, to grow, uh, grow some, um, good muscle into, uh, sits on the first base side, delivering at a three quarter slot. It's upright athletic leg kick with great balance. And he did a really good job of staying balanced throughout his delivery with a bit of longer arm circle. And I think, I think that will probably get shortened, uh, over the, over the off season. I think that also is, um, like just watching him, there were a few right behind home plate uh, views that I got after searching mm-hmm. and searching and searching and searching for them. Uh, and I think the longer arm circle is really is really giving hitters a good uh, a good release to to see the ball. Yeah. Um, so yeah. shorten that up. Sometimes you know you shorten up that arm circle, you'll be able to. Um, get away from seeing the ball, meaning the hitters get away from seeing the ball right. uh, as long. So I think that might do a lot, but his velocity is down um, in high school last year. And then of course, in the um, the showcase uh, season, 2021, uh, he was thrown much harder last year. He was supposedly averaging about 92, 94 with his fastball. He's kind of sitting in the 88 to 92 you know, area right now. Um, uh, high strike rate, um, about an average, a little bit above average swing rate. Um, uh, guys whiff at about a 30% clip, and and he's gotten a bunch of guys to t- uh, chase. He started in low A in Augusta. He ended up in high A. Um, I mean, there was no real improvement or downside to either league. Um, the fastball uh, is an arm side runner with plus plus carry from the slot. It's very flat angled with plus command. Um, guess what kind of slider he has? Gyro. Gyro spinner. Um, <laughs> uh, but this one's new. This wasn't something that he had when he was in the showcase. So like, I don't okay. have any like video of him when he was in high school. So I have to go back to the showcase in 2021 in the summer uh, of 2021, the summer before his draft season. And he threw a short, very tight, harder breaker. Um, so this, this, this pitch is, uh, not as hard. Uh, that pitch was like an 85 average range. This one's between like 81, 84. Um, he gets high swing percentage on this again. 
I, I think guys are seeing the seeing the ball and are out of the out of the arm and trying to hit it. He actually has a low whiff whiff rate for this pitch. It's it's below twenty five percent. Does get a decent amount of, um, of chases, but he has fairly good command of it. And uh, I think with improved velocity and a shorter arm circle. Uh, this this pitch could be a lot better than what it looks like right now. Right now, it kind of looks like a four pitch, really. Um, mm-hmm. But it could be a five or a 5.5. Um, I'm a little hesitant to go to six. And then he has a third pitch, which is a curveball. Does not throw a changeup. Um, that curveball sits in like the 74, 78 range. Um, doesn't get a lot of strikes. Can't really steal a lot of strikes with it, but it's... It's probably the better of the two breakers um, and, and probably the one that has the chance of being a plus pitch uh, mm-hmm. of the two breakers. Um, it's a 12-6 breaker with plus depth, above average movement. Um, again, like above average, just doesn't really steal strikes with it because he doesn't throw it consistently enough to steal strikes. Um, and veteran teams, uh, um, you know, teams with older kids like like Winston Salem uh, is a, is a good example of a team with older kids, older college kids, or older um, kids from the Dominican and from Venezuela and that sort of thing. Um, they tend to lay off those pitches. So a younger team, he has uh, maybe higher strike rates against and swing and miss rates and chase rates, but against the veteran team. So that's a good way of like looking at guys as they move up uh, when they're facing. Uh, season college um, hitting, and those guys aren't aren't offering, and you can't uh, sneak one in on them. Um, mm-hmm. That's usually a good indication that's going that's going to be a little bit of a struggle in Double A, Triple A. So uh, overall, like I have him as a um, oh man, eight D prospect because I think that there's there's a lot of upside. Uh, specifically to that fastball, if that velocity comes back. And again, yeah. it, it's the Braves. So you've got to kind of uh, bet on them developing that slider and, and fixing those issues with the curveball. But again, uh, this is the Braves profile um, that, you know, we're talking first about a low three quarters guy. Now we got a three quarters guy. I bet the next guy that mm-hmm. we talk about after our break, will have a different release point because that's, that's the Braves Braves man up mantra. Yeah. Yeah. It's really uh, interesting. I mean, that's uh, as you were <clears throat> chatting there. I, yeah. I was interested to hear what, um, what you saw as kind of the, upside there and i think you said it with the uh, velocity possibly coming back and just more more development on those breaking pitches um and it sounds like the starting point for the breaking pitches now are distinct enough that he could develop uh kind of both um and end up as a you know kind of as a two breaking pitch guy three pitch uh guy overall so uh thank you Mm -hmm. for the, the report there on uh owen murphy not a problem, man. I think this is a great time to take a break. See who Patrick has as his guest on his last weekly episode of the 2023 season of the Baseball HQ radio podcast. Hey, eyes have it, listeners. Patrick David here from the Baseball HQ radio podcast. This week's pod is the last one of the regular season, another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Gene McCaffrey, the wise guy of fantasy baseball and a fantasy baseball columnist at The Athletic. We'll discuss items in the news and starting pitchers for 2024, 
post-hype hitters, the 2024 catcher scene, his boons and banes for 2024, and a couple of cool music acts. Plus, we'll have the usual great stuff, news analysis with Ray Murphy of BaseballHQ.com, and our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Gene McCaffrey, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I hope you'll join us. Thank you, PD. Don't forget to tune in uh, to visit Baseball HQ's radio archives for uh, great content. And uh, tune in. Don't forget to tune in uh, on October 3rd for a roundtable discussion of the season. As uh, end of season roundtables are uh, pretty interesting, usually um, kind of wrapping up uh, everything that's going on with some uh, smart guests, as they say. So thanks, PD, for all that. Uh, let's move on to our, uh, third, uh, arm that, uh, we wanted to talk about, uh, and that's a college arm again, uh, coming out of the Braves organization, Hurston Waldrop, um, sounds like, uh, Waldrop's pretty close, uh, to the majors. Yeah. In the, in the Braves way of things, he's pretty close to the majors. <laughs> um, I wondered when they drafted him, whether he'd make it to the major leagues by the end of the year. Like I thought that he was going to be the first one of the major leagues out of the draft class. Mm. Um, I, there, there's a lot of parallels you can make to Spencer Strider. Um, and there's a lot of parallels that are a little different than Spencer Strider. Um, uh, so far in the minor leagues, he is a 171 ERA, uh, 1.095 whip, uh, 13.3 K rate. But he walks a lot of guys, 5.1 walk rate. Um, and this is across low A, high A, double A. I missed him when he was in town. I thought he would be back when I was in vacation. Uh, got back from vacation. He was already double A. So um, it, it, it's what it is. Uh, the kid has solid frame and size, athleticism with some room to grow still, even even at this point. Um, the thing that's scary about him and watching him, and one of the reasons why, oh man, if if he was drafted by somebody else, I would have probably been a little more apprehensive at this guy's uh, development. But this guy. For all intents and purposes, uh, screams reliever. Um, uh, let's go over the delivery. Uh, first base side, over the top. Um, he has a modified leg lift. Uh, he doesn't really pause at, at the balance point at all. Uh, very high energy. Um, uh, kind of dr- drives his legs through, um, but it still kind of stays a bit upright. It's really kind of odd looking. Um, he drifts a little bit in his delivery, sometimes to the third base side, t- sometimes towards the first base side. It's not, not really the most balanced guy. Um, a- another thing he has too is a head whack, and usually a head whack is a good indication of a guy mm-hmm. who struggles to throw strikes in the command pitches. Um, there's also a lot of violence in the arm path, uh, especially uh, at the finish. Um, he really does jerk his his arm right back up. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of things here that scream RP delivery. Um, I can't think of the Guardians pitcher, the relief pitcher who was the setup guy, James. Um, what's his last name? Uh, um, yes, yes. Uh, when when you're comping to Krychek, um, uh, the delivery that there's something a little scary there. Um, yeah. uh, uh, but. I mean, this guy has really awesome stuff, and 
and and that's why he's high up on 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 dynasty boards and and all of that stuff. Uh, he's a three pitch pitcher. Um, he throws a fastball, um, averages about ninety four to ninety seven with that fastball. Doesn't throw for high strike rate, around sixty percent. It's flat angled with the ride up. It has natural arm side run, no matter uh, no matter where it's pitched. It's not something that loses that arm side run. Uh, it's best up, obviously, but he struggles with command and control. Uh, he loses his release point with his fastball, which is something when we're talking about over the top guys, it's something that that uh, Karchnik, um has also uh, struggled with this year as well, um, and and has seen time in the majors and the minor leagues. Uh, so it's always something that you kind of look forward to, and um, or look forward to, I should say, you look out for um, yeah. slider. Uh, 87 mile per hour on average, uh, throws it for strikes a good bit of time. Uh, can you guess what kind of slider he throws? Uh, hmm. Maybe a gyro slider. Yes. He throws a gyro spinning slider. It's really crazy. Uh, has plus downward yeah. movement. And unlike his fastball, he seems to not lose his release point with this. Um, so it's kind of, kind of funny that he commands a slider, uh, above average uh so far in the minor leagues and and i went back to um some of his stuff at the university of florida this year and yeah. he, he commanded his slider much better than his fastball um so a guy that you know is it's a little different um the split changeup is really the best pitch of the group um it's a high mid to high 90s uh pitch um doesn't necessarily throw it for a high rate of strikes. Doesn't really need to. So far in minor leagues, he has over a 70% whiff rate on the pitch. Uh, hmm. It's just this filthy downward drop with this arm side run. Um, uh, obviously, and, and here's the other thing. He's not even getting a great amount of chases with it. They are swinging at it, and it's still in the, in, in the zone. Like... Um, hmm. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, another Braves pitcher who has had issues with release point and is on the shelf right now with the Tommy John surgery. And that's Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson's changeup obviously was different. It's not a split change. doesn't have that, that violent downward movement. Uh, but what Anderson succeeded at uh, before losing some of his arm slot and kind of losing his delivery a bit um, and then getting hurt uh was that he lived upstairs with his changeup a lot of times. And and Walter does the same thing. Um stays up uh in the zone. So looking at this guy, there's nobody in the Atlanta Braves pen. And granted the pen has a lot of major league arms in it that has a pitch that could be this dominant in in a in a series like that. Um, yeah. This kid pitched in the College World Series. He's pitched in big games already. Um, like, it just screams to me that they do what they did with Spencer Strider and um, uh, the Lee kid. And right before the 2020, what was it, 2021 uh, World Series, called up both guys to see them and give them some major league action just in case they needed him. Needed them. I could see them doing the same thing with Waldrop. Like, hey, we just need to see you. You know, let the major league coaches see you uh, pitch. Right. So, yeah. um, I have an eight 
be on him at this point in time. Um, obviously, uh, the stuff is number two type starter type stuff, but I really think it ends up in the pen. I think it's a, I think it's a late inning reliever, maybe even closer. Um, like I, I think that's how good this guy, uh, three pitches are. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of that's, that's pretty interesting. Um... I know the Braves are in Philly this week and watching them a little bit. Um, Philly, you know, some some of their relievers, yeah, they got to uh, a little bit, even though the Braves have won most of the games. Um, but yeah, and given given their history of doing that, um, like you said, with uh, with Strider and Lee, maybe uh, maybe they, maybe they give it a shot with Waldrop. I mean, the the idea of having um, you know a uh, as you describe it, kind of an amazing uh secondary offering in that in that splitter um to go along with uh you know what sounds like a uh, pretty decent fastball even if there's kind of command uh issues there um seems like a good place to good place to start and and uh like you say maybe uh maybe that uh that prediction kind of or that possibility comes uh comes to fruition mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the fourth guy, and um, this is, you know, with an organization uh, that's known for kind of taking pitchers slow, and someone has moved across uh, three levels so far, and uh, someone we saw and mentioned uh, briefly from the Futures game back in July, and that's Jacob uh, Mizorowski for, from the Brewers organization, uh, tall kid, um, what uh, what do you, did you want to bring with uh, Mizorowski this evening? Well, I'd like to point out that even even teams that are uh, more conservative are are bringing their guys up uh, quickly through the through the ranks. Yeah, and that's what they've done. And I think a lot of this was also with the Brewers kind of contending uh, yeah. uh, and and possibly needing a reliever. Uh, same thing. Um, but the difference here is Double A has not really been kind to uh, Mizorowski, and I think he's actually down right now with a uh, tired arm. So I, I doubt we'll be able to see him this year. Um, but I don't necessarily think this is a guy that uh, would have normally been in Double A for them, if if not for some of their struggles uh, or limitations in the major leagues. Um, well, as you mentioned, very tall, lean guy, and I like. I don't see him becoming much stronger. He has very strong lower lower half, but it's a long, thin frame. It kind of works with him. Uh, solid strength, and like I said, in the lower half. He has to really have a wide back, too, but like uh, his core is just does not look like a core that's going to put on much weight. So, um, you know, I wish I had that problem with my core. Um, but I have the opposite problem with that core, uh, with that, with my core. So, um, first base side where he delivers low three quarter slot, jerky leg lift, virtually no leg lift sometimes, which is really odd. Works out of the stretch exclusively. will rush delivery. will fly open at times, double plus extension from that six foot seven frame plus plus arm speed, uh, a bit of a head whack as well. So you can probably guess that this guy doesn't throw strikes at a high level, um, less than 60% with his fastball. That in the futures game was like basically sitting 102, right? That, that's where it was yeah, sitting. It was, yep. It was uh, kind of the most, I mean, the biggest velocity arm uh, in the game. Basically. Yeah. Did, 
definitely the biggest. Um, uh, on a season, he's mostly between 95 and 98, um, which is nothing compared to that little performance. Uh, touching 102, 103, um, you know, very high octane arm starting for them. Um, guys don't seem really comfortable against him. I, I think a lot of that is because they don't know where the pitches are going. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, the, the fastball, it's about an average swing rate against the fastball, but it's other two pitches that guys don't swing at. Um, and with a guy that's struggling with command, that's, that's always a problem, but like the fastball is a 70 fastball. It has, uh, natural arm side running action with plus carry uh, out of his slot specifically. Um, uh, combine that with the, ex- the extension that he gets, uh, which he does cut himself off a little in his his delivery. So he doesn't get all that six. It's not like Randy Johnson getting all every bit of his 610 uh, frame in there. You know, you, when you cut yourself off in your in your delivery, you might only get to 6'6 six, six or 6'5. Six, yeah, I, I tend to see that a lot with taller guys. Um and, and taller guys usually are soft tossers. It's not in this case. So I don't think it hurts him uh too bad um um to to do that because of the plus plus velocity, the elite level velocity that he's capable of, and, and also uh the sort of ride that he gets out of that low three-quarter slot. Um, the, the, he throws two variations of slider. He throws the cutter and the slider. The cutter, to me, is the more impressive of the two pitches. Um, he throws that uh, on average in the very low 90s. Um, it, low strike rate, of course. Guys don't swing at it much, but he has a, a, a greater than 50% uh, miss rate. It's a hard cover with the cutter with true uh, with the true movement profile. Um, in a futures game, he was like it was unbelievable, like 93, 94, 95, 96. It was like Jacob mm-hmm. DeGrom level uh, sliders coming at you. Yeah. Um, uh, but again, it was in a short period without the Jacob De, DeGrom um, command. Um, the, uh, the the true sliders, the two plane breaker, it's a mid not 80s pitch, uh, lives pretty much lives low in the zone with good downward movement. Um, I would like to see him throw a little harder for more effectiveness. But then you run into the issue where the slider and the cutter might actually merge, and that's not a good thing. I, so in a lot of cases here, you're probably looking at a guy that probably should stick at uh, that range uh, and not listen to Chris. Um, but again, uh, low strike rate, um, uh, and, and that's kind of plaguing all of his pitches. Um, so we're talking about a double-plus fastball, a slider that's a plus pitch, a cutter that's a plus pitch, and 30 command on the 2080 scale. Yeah. Uh, so for me, again, another reliever arm. I just don't see how this works out. Um, you know, I, I was talking to somebody and there were um, not anybody in the business, uh, somebody that was uh, an observer. I showed him this guy today and he was like, oh, my God, this this guy, uh, you know, reminds me of glass now, um, <laughs> you know, tall, all this stuff. But, yeah, the stuff is. But Glassnow still threw strikes. Like, it wasn't – like, this guy's not throwing strikes. Like, so you could see an elite-level starter out of him if you squint your eyes hard enough. But, like, mm-hmm. to me, he's he's not that. Yeah. 
Yeah, when you look at the kind of, um, yeah, at least the season-long line and the, uh, you know, the, uh, what am I looking at? So, you know, 42 walks and 71 innings, uh, that kind of thing. Yes, 110 strikeouts. Um, but really, as, uh, you know, I think we need to kind of be skeptical of that, especially as uh, as he continues to kind of climb the ladder and, um, you know, he's having a, you said a rough go at, at double A here. And um, interestingly enough, I mean, they definitely, I mean, he's, they're definitely continuing to start him. Look like all his starts uh, over the past two years, all his uh, appearances over the past two years have been starts. Um, mm-hmm. they probably hang on to that as long as they can um, to see if they can kind of coax some better uh, command out of there. But I, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's going to be hard. I think that you're, yeah, I think that you're right that uh, that may be a, a you know pretty tough proposition given where he's at. Well, we're going to tie this all into a discussion, um, <laughs> and that discussion's on player development, um, specifically on timelines. Uh, you know, we've talked about guys that are rapidly moving. Like uh, two years ago, Jacob uh, Mizorowski would would be in high A right now after. To have a successful low A season, he'd be in high A. He wouldn't have moved up as early as he moved up to high A. He would definitely not be shut down in double A right now. His season would be over right now. Um, a, a guy like Owen Murphy, who struggled at low A throughout the season, would be still in low A, not in high A. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach might be might might have still made it to high A. Um, Walter might have thrown a few pitches in the complex, might have gotten to low A. That was probably about it. And uh, Nolan Chalinel um, would have not been in the major leagues. Uh, I mean, you could have made an argument that he could have gotten up to double A this year, but, like, he wouldn't have been in the major leagues. So, Brent, I'm going to ask you the first question, and then you can ask me the second two first. Uh, I mean, we're both going to answer each question. But what do you think this is a product of? I think it's uh, I think it's partially a product of uh, of teams that um, that are kind of desperate for high level talent um, to to kind of add to their squads. Um, I think that uh, they have seen um, you know and, and, and some sort of copycat stuff. They have seen some other times. Uh, where uh, high quality players on or high yeah high quality quality players on other orgs have kind of uh, been kind of sped up to the majors or sped up through the through the ranks and had success um, and I think that uh, I think that it's possible that a lot of a lot of the other teams even with some lesser talents think that they can do that as well. Um, so I think it's, I think it's like a product of kind of, you know, trying to, uh, move these guys along. Now, in some cases, perhaps it is, uh, you know, the cynic will say, oh, they're just trying to get them up there before, especially with pitchers before they get injured. You know, they've only got so many, uh, bullets in the arm. And so, uh, get them up there and, and, you know, that, that there may be something to that, um, but I wonder, you know, I wonder if 
the times where we've seen this happen uh, successfully at the major league level, if those aren't aren't more the outlier cases than the uh, normal cases. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think this is a product of? Well, I think you got number. One, I think you got you got a great great answer there. That's a that's a perfect answer for this question. Um, one of the perfect answers. There's a few perfect answers. Um, uh, I I think that the minor leagues are down. Um, I I've been writing the last five weeks a column. I mean, yeah. I've been writing the column all year, but the last five weeks I've been only writing on lower binders prospects because. Uh, the the double A and triple A are void of those guys because of the strike the, the strike shortened. Oh, I know we had a strike at some point, uh, work stoppage, <laughs> a small work stoppage. But um, uh, the COVID year, uh, the COVID drafts were terrible um, for the most part. Um, I mean, if they if they redid the COVID draft of 2020, uh, fourth round pick from by the Braves. Um, could very well be the first overall pick with that Spencer Strider. Um, uh, so that the, here here's a little uh, the other part of it. So so Brent got one part of mine right. Um, the other part was lack of talent on on the minor leagues, um, uh, lack of depth overall. Uh, number three, the the other product of it is Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider going through the minor leagues in his first year and making it to the major leagues. And then the very next year becoming Cy Young and, and getting these guys up and with the potential of getting a draft pick um, oh. if they win rookie of the year uh, and giving them a cup of coffee. So it's not, you know, they get a good chance to see where this guy is, but think about this. Spencer Strider Started in A ball, went up to A plus ball, high A, double A, triple A, major leagues in one year. Okay, so there's there's the trend right there. Okay, here's a team that relies heavily on their scouting, especially their amateur scouts. They don't they don't have pro scouts. They they have amateur scouts. They they use coordinators. They use uh, video guys to look at the at the pro scouts. So there's teams that do that. Some's very successful. I mean, the Braves are very successful. The Astros have a a heavy uh, um, pro look at things uh, with with you know coordinators and video guys and and analytics folks. Um, the Guardians, the the Orioles. These are some of the some of the works that you're like, hey, you know, they're they're doing their thing. But this is a this is a team member that vastly trusts their 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 amateur scouting um, and their model and what that says, especially with pitching. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, Braves haven't really produced any hitters uh, since the last crop, uh, which was uh, guys that the previous g- general manager brought in um, or the previous scouting director uh, brought in. Um, this is kind of a new thing here. Um, and then here's so that spreads and the Angels hire a general manager from the Braves, assistant general manager Perry uh, Murison. Um, and Perry starts doing that with hitters. Zach Neto, kid that we talked about today. Uh, 
then here's the other element. You've got teams like the Dodgers, the Rays, the Brewers, who we just talked about, who's breaking breaking their rules. Um, you've got uh, the Guardians, maybe. There, there might be another one I, I'm missing right here that trust their player development groups and trust the work that they're doing and, and taking, they're willing to take it slow, even though everybody else is fast. Um, I don't think everybody else really trusts their player development guys. And I think that's the other element here that we've gotten into a game for so long where, uh, you know, you go from one level to another and you're going to work with a different pitching coach this year. You're going to work with a different pitching coach next year and I've heard, you know, several guys, uh, several several pitchers um, tell me that they've lost something working with a guy because that guy was trying to put his own stamp on mm-hmm. that player. Uh, there was a Mets prospect. I won't name his name. 20 in 2009 was a fairly good prospect. And, and his father told me that. Um, you know, his struggles kind of started when somebody tried to change his identity. Uh, I, who do you think's higher paid, the major league coaching staff or the minor league coaching staff, Brent? Uh, probably a major league. Okay, so if you're a infielder and you're you're struggling to you know fit at shortstop and or at second or whatever, and, and you're a Braves prospect. And you seem to have a bat that will handle the major leagues. Wouldn't you rather, as an organization, have him work with Ron Washington, who's a guru uh, on the infield, or work with some guy in the minor leagues that might not be there in a couple of years? Like, yeah, sure. uh, you pick Ron Washington. Uh, you pick the guys that are making the money. Um, so I think we're going to see much more development happening at the major league level. Um, at the upper minors, because the upper minor, you know, you can you can consolidate your best instructors, uh, minor league instructors in the same place. They'll always be the Dodgers and there'll always be those other teams that will take it slowly. But even they will, if there's a talent that's exceeding expectations, they'll 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 move them up. Um, you know, we talked about on last week's episode of Prospect uh, with um Jeremy Deloney, uh, Dalton rushing any other organization. He would not be in high a right now. He would have been moved up to double a. And if he would have performed any semblance, he would be in triple a. And that's just how it is right now. Everybody's copying everybody. Uh, so uh, I think that's all of those things combined. Brent, I believe are the reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that I think that's a good. Uh, I think that makes sense. And like you said, we didn't coordinate that, but the the Strider example is a really good one of what I was. Uh, one of the things what I meant is you know that you get those that happen uh, with special players a couple of times, and um, uh, you know I think uh, everyone thinks uh, that that's fairly simple and easy to do. I mean I think it is it is interesting for sure. Uh, guys, uh, you know, like what you said, I mean, how the game certainly will change at the major league level if, um, if there's going to be more kind of development happening at that point, um, rather than, uh, in the high minors or kind of along the way. I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, 
you know, that, that can be kind of a big shift uh, in, in kind of the on field yeah. performance for sure. Um, I, do you think it? And yeah, here's a, here's another thing that I would point out too: how much talking about trusting your player development staff. Um, we've seen a lot of guys that have had issues this year get uh, moved down to um, the development list, essentially going to the complex mm-hmm. and working with those instructors, the yeah. back to basic guys. Uh, we've yeah. seen more of that than we've ever seen before. And I think there's a purpose for that, too. I think that uh, you're not going to send a guy out to that double A coach that, you know, might not be the tactician to get that stuff fixed. Um, So, you know, we saw uh, Alec Manoff go all the way back there. I don't know what's going on with him. That's that's a crazy situation. Um, uh, How you drop off that quickly Um, and and now not even reporting to to. To places so but like it, it's it i think there's a there's reasons for why these things are happening and why they're happening now um yeah. so um yeah i think that i think that covers that question you want to ask the next one yeah do you think it moves the the prospect timelines uh up at all or how how does uh how does it affect the you know kind of the timelines if you're Jeremy, or I mean Rob Gordon, and you have the Dodgers organization, your timelines stay the same. Um, <laughs> if you're Chris Blessing, you have the Atlanta Braves, uh, your timelines need to accelerate very quickly. If you're Chris Blessing and you have the Los Angeles Angels, your your timelines have to accelerate much quicker. Uh, yep. If you're Brent Hershey and you're the Philadelphia Phillies, I think your timeline has to has to go up because we've seen them move guys quicker than they have yeah. in the past. No, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was going to just interject. I mean, yeah, for sure, because that's uh, certainly this time last year, they were already talking about uh, the possibility, the possibility of uh, Andrew Painter making the uh, you know, making the opening day rotation and kind of that was a narrative that got got woven, um, you know, seed that got planted uh, last summer around this time and got, uh, you know, kind of repeated and uh, throughout the winter and, and the beginning of spring training there until uh, until he went down with injury. And people were, you know, certainly, certainly out of character uh, for them, a 20 year old guy, uh, just a couple of years out of out of high school. Uh, obviously very talented. Um, but again, that's what, you know, that mm-hmm. could well have been, uh, like you say, this uh, copycat thing um, after seeing Strider or others do that. Um, and I think with the, the timeline for us as trying to help folks, uh, well, to understand ourselves and how to, and how to help uh, subscribers or listeners or others know how to react to that for their fantasy teams is, is pretty it's pretty tricky because, um, yeah, like, again, back to the Phillies, Johan Rojas was someone uh, that still needs uh, development work on the hitting side. Excellent defender, um, but they, you know, Phillies brought him up uh, earlier in the beginning of August or so, I believe, and, uh, you know, he's he's stuck. Uh, they've kind of played him some, and, and again, it's just something that, uh, you know, different, certainly um, different regime regimes handle those differently 
uh, meeting front office uh, folks as, as they cycle through, uh, but something certainly that we wouldn't have been likely to see, um, you know, just five, ten years ago, um, where a, a prospect like that uh, snatched out a double A uh, with still some obvious, you know, with some raw skills, but still needing some mm-hmm. polish on the, on the hitting side, um, wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been uh, promoted like that, and mm-hmm. and really stuck stuck around. Yeah, and it, I think I think this moves the prospect game. I'm I'm going to ask the last question: Does this help or hurt the game? Uh, I mean, I think it. I think it's a little. I'm going to hedge and say it's a little bit of both because I, you do want to see the, the finely skilled athletes, um, you know, at at the highest level, having um, make, making their mark. And I think about someone like uh, Rojas, or I think of someone like what Pete Crow Armstrong has done in just a few days up here, where I mean yeah. the. The, where the defense is, you know, is part of the game and has been fantastic and, and is obviously something that's MLB ready. And I think that can go down to uh, on the pitching side too. Guys with one or two uh, really, really, you know, elite pitches kind of thing um, may get the call earlier, and that's the stuff that you want to see. Uh, but on the other hand. They're not necessarily. Oftentimes, they may not necessarily be complete players. Um, in in Rojas's case, you know, there's some work to do yet on the hitting side. Uh, on a um, you know, on a big pitching prospect that comes up with tons of stuff and a uh, you know crazy pitches, they there's oftentimes work to do on the command or sequencing uh, side and. Um, so I think the the positive is we get these highly skilled uh, folks in into the game and seeing that. And the downside is they may be um, those specific players may take time to kind of become um, the well-rounded uh, really players that we're used to. Um, what do you think as far as hurt or help the game these accelerated timelines? Man, I, I pondered this question for a long time uh, when I wrote this. Um, I actually think it will help the game because I think that uh, I think fans call for these prospects so often, so much uh, that they almost need to see them either succeed or fail uh, and get off of it. Uh, how, being friends with several Mets fans and being a recovering Mets fan myself, uh, you know, Ronnie uh, Mauricio uh, was a prospect that they've been calling for all season. Right. Um, and, you know, he's performed at least the highlights that I've seen because I haven't really paid attention too much, but uh, he has performed in some highlights. I mean, he hit a monstrous home run last night. Um, yeah. Uh, but the, the thing is, is... You know, the Mets, maybe one of those orgs that take it a little slower than some other orgs. Um, maybe they trust their player development guys a little more. Uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, the Mauricio experiment could have succeeded and failed two months ago. And uh, Met fans would have at least had an answer. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when it mattered, when they were still trying to compete before their, you know, yeah demise uh that's fair happened so so like those the 
that's kind of where I say it helps the 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 game. I, I think it hurts. I think you're we're gonna lose some players that needed that extra development time and need it in a non-stressful environment. Um mm-hmm. where it, it will hurt those guys. So we you know the quality of player in a few years might not be as good as it is now. Uh but again, yeah. major leagues they we adjust and and the quality of player might not be great in a few years because they expand the game. You you just never yeah. know. Like yeah. um you know, Rojas could be a starting center fielder with no hit tool whatsoever um, yeah. uh, for a Nashville franchise and for a Las Vegas franchise. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's those sort of things that are kind of just unknown anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The one one other thing that just sort of came to mind is I wonder um, if the kind of, uh, you know, the nebulous idea of or, or nebulous meaning uh, you know, just sort of tough to define idea of kind of player makeup and kind of how player development folks know their own players. Um, if that won't be more, if that won't become more important, because if they're moving guys up quicker, um, they'll want those players to be a kind of ready to play in on a bigger stage, just perform, and then b also be able to have confidence that when they um, are faced with adversity, you know, they're able to adjust without, uh, you know, without uh, blowing it all up and having to, you know, for instance, send them back down to the complex to get their, to get their game straightened out again. Um, So, I mean, that's always been an interesting part, this idea of sort of, you know, makeup and how, uh, how players, uh, how minor league players, especially, uh, approach their their craft and learning and adjusting and all that. Um, I wonder if that eval if that inner evaluation for each individual team will take on more importance. Um, you know, as they think about who uh, is is ready or you know quote ready quote unquote ready or not ready to kind of uh, to, to take a, to take those next steps kind of up the ladder. Yeah, man. I, I totally agree uh, with that. Um, all right. Well, we come to the part of the show where we talk about what's on tap. And by the way, we'll have more more about this all in the minor league baseball analysts, probably a lot of different other places. Uh, yeah. Probably even be talked about at first pitch uh, this year. Maybe one of the few uh, roundtables that that go on. Uh, I think I might have just given you a potential subject for one of them. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah, it's certainly interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from the non-prospect folks on that. Like, uh, you know, what what that would do to the game. Uh, and mm-hmm. of course, that's a great place to get those answers. Um, so, Brent, uh, what is on tap for you? I know that you're working on uh, several different projects uh, for yep, the offseason. We've got. Yeah, we got several things uh, September, so we're starting uh, our book season for uh, both the forecaster as well as the minor league analyst. Um, so we're juggling those, the beginning of stages of planning those two projects, um, as well as uh, we're kind of knee or waist deep into the first pitch Arizona planning. Um, again, the uh, great weekend that we put together uh, this year, November's, November 2 to 5, out in Mesa, Arizona, for the Arizona Fall League, we're uh, waiting patiently for the uh, rosters to be announced, and 
we have it have heard that uh, it's kind of could be any day here or in the next week or so. So uh, we'll look forward to to that. And um, yeah, but our uh, Ray and I uh, and some others you are involved too, uh, planning different parts of of that great weekend that we have uh, to present to uh, folks and participate in. Um, certainly, uh, those uh, those three things, as well as finishing up the uh, regular major league season and all of our coverage there, wrapping that up um, is uh, is what's going to keep me busy for the next several weeks. <laughs> um, what about you? What do you have on tap uh, coming up? I have a big week. Uh, I'm going to probably be at the ballpark today and tomorrow, or tomorrow and Friday, uh, or nice. today or tomorrow if if you're listening on Thursday. <laughs> um, uh, got a lot of uh, influx of new talent uh, in Double A right now. Double um, yeah. uh, A Reds Chattanooga has shortstop Edwin Arroyo, whose uh, stock kind of has fallen a little this year. Hmm. Austin Hendrick, yeah. for former first rounders on the development list, there. Uh, a few other very interesting names that are on the development list. Uh, a lot of teams put some guys in development lists, especially these folks that are headed to the playoffs like uh, Chattanooga is. Um, and then hopefully next week, potentially Chase Petty. He he had a start on the road oh, this nice. uh, this last yeah. weekend, and he's on the development list. Not uh, uh, I've been told he is not one of the probables this week, uh, and he's on that, that list, so I don't think he'll be pitching. Um, and then I got the double-A White Sox, which is Birmingham in town. Um, uh, Edgar uh, Cuero, who I saw with Rocket City earlier this year, uh, before he got traded from the Angels to the White Sox. Uh, big-time yeah. prospect, Colson Montgomery, who was dealing with some back issues earlier when they came through. Outfielder <laughs> Wilfred Veras, who I really should have made the trip down to Winston Salem uh, to when Winston Salem was in town to see him. Um, but then he got called up right like right after that series, so it kind of was perfect uh, that he would be up here. Uh, see Brian Ramos for the like the umpteenth time. Uh, I see him <laughs> a lot. So I've seen him pretty much uh, the last since 2021 every year a bunch. Uh, and then left-handed pitcher Jonathan Cannon, who's a UGA uh, pitcher who I I got to see during my uh, uh, scouting con. Uh, I guess it would be my scouting campaigns every February March. I get to see some. The pitchers, did they call him a left-handed pitcher? I don't know, whatever. Um, it's late. Um, and that's what's going on. I'm not even sure who the lookouts are playing in the playoffs next week. Uh, maybe it's Birmingham. Maybe it's Rocket City. Maybe it's Tennessee. It's one of those three teams. Uh, so yeah. I'm not quite sure who I am going to see next week. But uh, rest assured, there will probably be some content up on the site next week from those live looks. Um, Very good. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you all for joining us on this week's Eyes Habit podcast. Thank you, Brent, for being a great editor and good part-time co-host. Um, I'm hosting next week alone with special guest uh, Shelly, and I don't want to kill her name. How, how do you pronounce Shelly's last name? Uh, Strade, I think. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I I had her phonetically spell it during one of our online um, first pitch events. And I I saved it somewhere, and I don't know where it is. But she's from Roto World, Baseball HQ, Sportstopia. 
Um, we will definitely tap into Shelly's vast knowledge of Dynasty prospects uh, during a fun-filled show. Uh, we're handing out some awards, too. I need to get with her. We're going to give some superlatives this year uh, and kind of make it a thing. And uh, maybe Shelly's going to be the last guest every year. Um, uh, I want yeah. somebody fun and Shelly's always, uh, always a great podcast guest and I'll be <laughs> excited to have her on our podcast for the first time. So, um, Brent and I would love to hear from you. You can ask us questions. The eyes have it at baseballhq.com. Reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at C underscore blessing. Brent is at Brent HQ. First time listening to the Eyes Have It podcast, click subscribe to get our future episodes. Rank us too. Um, that, I mean, that's the greatest thing about our podcast is these scouting reports are, are pretty strong for a year. Uh, so if you are listening to this for the first time, go back and watch, listen to all of our episodes this year. Uh, you'll get a lot of great content. We cover tons of guys. You'll hear about Brian Ramos again um, because he's <laughs> probably talked about somewhere. I, I'm delirious at this point. So um, spread the word about us, too. Uh, may everyone have a great week. Uh, Brent. Thank you again uh, for being a co-host and, and friend and editor, and we will uh, definitely get a, have a good time in Arizona this year. Yes, looking forward to it, and uh, thanks for the hard work uh, you put into this as well and make it uh, you know, one of our successful um, Baseball HQ offerings for uh, subscribers and listeners. So uh, kudos to you on another great, uh, finishing up another great year. Thank you, and uh, peace out, everybody, and uh, you'll hear from me next week.